Screen Time with John Fardy. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talks TV and Movie Show. This week on the show, I talk to director Lorcan Finnegan about his creepy psychological horror Nocebo, which sees a fashion designer succumb to a mysterious illness and who's offered a possible cure from an equally mysterious house guest. Radio presenter Dave Moore chats about his favourite movie. As always, we've got all the movies and TV shows for you to stream and skip. Plus, your chance to win the lot. King on DVD. I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Farty, or you can email me screentime at newstalk.com. This show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5 pm on newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud, and it's on the radio every Saturday at 6 pm right here on Newstalk. Good weekend to you all. I hope you're well and you've had a nice week and you're settling into December and the oncoming festivities. I've bored you a few times this year with discussion of my teeth. It's a strange way to start a film show, but bear with me. I was having all this work done on two teeth involving implants and crowns and veneers and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it came to an end finally last week. And uh, I'm pleased, you know, you can put a price on the magic that is my smile. But uh, I got this veneer basically on one tooth and it's it's all done now. I, Hopefully just have to go for checkups and nothing else for a long time to come. But I uh, I noticed a few hours afterwards there was a slight whistle, <laughs> air blowing through my teeth. But it, it, it seemed to go away and it hasn't returned since. So uh, that's good. I think I was just getting used to the new hardware in my mouth. You're listening to Screen Time. <whistles> now, in TV this week, I was watching this. You've just been pretty rude, and I dropped everything to come here. Oh, Christ. Oh, you wanted a gold star just for showing up? Kinda, yeah, because you're right. I'm not a fan of yours. You caught me. This is all just a little fucking annoying because I flew all the way here on Spirit fucking Airlines, even though I didn't want this job in the first place. I mean, the last thing on earth I want to do is move to the desert to write some lame jokes for an old hack. Yes, now that is a clip of Hacks. It is by no means a new show. Uh, It's a show that's been out since 2021 on Amazon Prime. It has two seasons. There is a third one due to happen. But we were talking about this a couple of months ago or weeks ago after the Emmys and it cleaned up and I said I'd never watched it. And a lot of you got in touch saying you have to watch it. And in particular, my sister-in-law, Aoife, said I had to. And she said I possibly wouldn't like it though. And I said I'd spite watch it. Well, I have spite watched it. But I have really enjoyed it. What it is, is the great Gene Smart playing Deborah Vance. She's a legendary Las Vegas stand-up. A diva, really. But she needs to reinvent her aging act because they're threatening to pull her residency or, or to change it up. And she's torn between kind of old jokes and new jokes, you might say. And then Ava, who you heard there as well, is this young comedy writer who's unable to find work. She was on a very successful show, but she sent out this insensitive tweet and it appears to have ruined her career and she has this reputation for being self-centered. So Ava's manager comes up with the idea to send her to work for Deborah as her new writer. And they want nothing to do with each other, as you heard there when they first start out. But they slowly bond uh, over the course of certainly the first series as Ava kind of pushes Deborah to take more risks in her act and then vice versa 
Deborah seems to push Ava into sorting out some of her personal problems. Ava's played by Hannah Enbinder. And this is really funny and really good. It's probably in the vein of so many modern comedies that it's dramedy, that it's not just a straight ahead comedic show. There's a lot of drama in it. And as we always insist on, a lot of heart. And I think that the key to it is their age difference. Deborah Vance is this character who's been around a long time and is a bit mystified by the state of the world and new jokes and old jokes. And Ava is could be viewed as a snowflake, I guess, but there's a lot more to her than that. But their their tension between their different lives works brilliantly. And Deborah's Diva character is just great. So I've really enjoyed, I've watched the whole of the first series. I haven't got to series two, but based on the first series, it is great. It really is. So if you're looking for something new to watch, I can highly recommend Hacks. It is on Amazon, so you will need Amazon Prime, which hopefully you have. Now, a new movie that was launched this week, the 2nd of December, this Friday, is the new version of Lady Chatterley's Lover. Yes, the famed and sometime banned novel by D.H. Lawrence, which I haven't read, I've read about, but you may be aware it's the story of a couple, uh, the Chatterleys, obviously, and her her husband, Sir Clifford Chatterley, comes home from the war and is maimed in battle and is in a wheelchair, and is impotent. And there is sexual tension, obviously, because they're no longer able to fornicate, and this drives Lady Chatterley into the arms of the gamekeeper, who is at the end of the property in this kind of hut and cottage that he has. And it's it, they've made a movie version of it before. There was a pretty decent TV version of it back in 2015, I think it was, with Sean Bean playing the gamekeeper. And it's, you know, bodice-ripping stuff. And in this Netflix version, you've Emma Corrin, she of Crown fame, who played the younger Diana in season four, uh, who actually was interviewed on this show about that very show. And then Jack O'Connell, plays Mellers, uh, the gruff gamekeeper. This is really decent. Uh, it's bodice ripping. Uh, I mean, the sexual scenes aren't too, you know, not safe for work or whatever. They're, they're fine. They're not going to make you blush, I don't think. And they're, uh, they seem reasonably, you know, chemistry ridden if there's not some dreadful pun in there. But, uh, Emma Corrin is brilliant and Jack O'Connell is brilliant as well. But Emma Corrin is wonderful in this as a lady who's struggling in her marriage and in this affair she begins. And she has wonderful eyes that just seem to contain multitudes of expression. She's really brilliant in it. So I'm saying quite good because it's, it's, Maybe lacking the, from what I understand, the D.H. Lawrence novel was making a lot of points about society and in a way that the upper classes were impotent when it came to certain things. And there's a whole socioeconomic class divide thing to the novel. There isn't a huge amount of that in this. There is a small bit where Sir Clifford wants to get involved in a mine and get a capitalist venture going in a mine. But there isn't a huge amount about that. It's more of a romance story, a star-crossed love story and a, a raunchy story at that at times. And it's 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 good. It, I think it's a nice weekend watch uh, that will appeal to a lot of people. Kind of a touch of Downton Abbey about it, if that's not a strange thing to say about a movie that's based on a banned novel. But it's a lot of the big house. And so it's it was entertaining 
watch. It's two hours, seven minutes, just the right side. It, it, it held me any longer, might have done it. But I, I think it's pretty good. It's kind of a three stars for the new version of Lady Chatterley's, Lady Chatterley's Lover, which is now available for your streaming pleasure on Netflix. Now, we have a competition this week. Haven't done one in a while. We've been busy, uh, but it's Christmas after all. So we have a DVD. We have a couple of DVDs to give away of The Lost King. Now, this you may have heard of a couple of weeks ago. I'm not even sure if we reviewed it for whatever reason. But in 2012, this is all true, having been lost for 500 years, the remains of King Richard III were discovered beneath a car park in Leicester. As I say, you may remember this. The search had been orchestrated by an amateur historian Philippa Langley, whose overwhelming research had been met with incomprehension by her friends and family and with skepticism by experts and academics. The Lost King is the life-affirming true story of a woman who refused to be ignored and who takes on the country's most eminent historians, facing them down to think again about one of the most controversial kings in English history. It stars Sally Hawkins and Steve Coogan. It was directed by Stephen Frears. It's arriving on DVD on the 9th of December, but we have some copies to give away. So if you would like to win a copy of of The Lost King, I'm not even going to bother with a question. Simply text the word KING to 53106, followed by your name, obviously. Text KING, followed by your name, to 53106. And Anne-Marie Kane will pick a winner in due course. Now, there's one more movie I want to quickly mention that we didn't get to cover on the show this week, but I would have liked to, and it's called North Circular. And it's a documentary which is landing in cinemas this weekend as well. And it's award-winning and it's by Luke McManus, a man I know of old, who's a TV producer and director and now indeed filmmaker, who was on this show reviewing Ricky Gervais's Afterlife years ago, which he did very well and I don't think he was paid for. Let's not talk of strangers now, but Luke McManus has brought us a glorious documentary all about the North Circular Road, which for those of you who are outside of Dublin or don't have a knowledge of Dublin, runs basically from the Phoenix Park to Dublin Port. When I was a kid leaving Blanchardstown to go into school in the city centre, the North Circular Road was kind of, that's when you were in town, when you crossed that road. And I lived near there for a while. I have a fond, fond memories and still regularly find myself on the North Circular Road. But anyway, I'm digressing. So Luke has made this brilliant documentary about characters who live and intersect with the North Circular Road. And it's told with beautiful photography and with stories from some of the people on this road. And it's also told with glorious music. And music is a huge part of it. And there's scenes in a pub and various different pubs, I think, where people are just singing songs, uh, a cappella, beautiful Irish songs, traditional songs. And the whole film is looking at, I suppose, the culture and the cultural heritage of some of the neighbourhoods that this road on the north side of Dublin connects. And he, it, it's also looking at the stories around the housing crisis, uh, the cobblestone pub is in there, talk of Irish history. He talks to people who are squatters. He talks to residents of the now famed and no longer there, O'Devony Gardens flat complex, which was torn down, basically. He talks to a whole host of people who are, you know, some happy, some not so happy about their lives and about what the North Circular means to them. Willa White, the comedian, 
who was on this show not so long ago, talks about leaving Mountjoy Jail, uh, which is just off the North Circular Road as well. There's a lot to do with the Cobblestone Pub and the controversy around all that. I just love this film. And, and what I love about it is that, you know, you can make a film about anything. In a million years, I would never think of making a movie about the North Circular. But if you are creative type and it's it, it you know it's a tribute to the power of the human imagination that someone like Luke can come up with the idea of making a movie about the North Circular Road and the people who live on it and then render a gorgeous beautiful important story from it there are sad moments in it but it is just a glorious trip so i'm really recommending really truly recommending North Circular uh, which is a documentary in cinemas this weekend because i absolutely loved it up next, Nocebo. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time, News Talks TV and Movie Show. Now opening next weekend, the 9th of December, is Nocebo. It tells the story of a children's fashion designer called Christine, played by Eva Green. Her apparently stable and orderly and very middle class life is disrupted by the strange ailment that seems to involve a stray dog, which she doesn't understand what has happened to her at all. After months of illness, one day a Filipino carer mysteriously arrives at her home and convinces her to use a traditional medicine from her home country that is supposed to help her heal. However, the moment she starts this treatment begins to lead to strange, sometimes terrifying changes, sometimes good changes in her life. The film, as I say, stars Eva Green. It also stars Mark Strong as her husband, the young Billy Gadsden as her daughter, and a Filipino actress called Chai Financier, which I hope I'm pronouncing right, who plays the very mysterious uh, Filipino carer, Diana. It was directed by Lorcan Finnegan, who spoke to us two years ago, right at the start of lockdown, about his other very intriguing movie, Vivarium. And I'm delighted to say all the way from the Far East, Lorcan joins us now. Lorcan, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Now, listen, uh, you know, I heard Bruce Springsteen recently say to Howard Stern that a good title of a song is half the battle. And, I, you know, sometimes with a movie, <laughs> that can be partially true as well. I know you have to write a script and direct it. But Nocebo, it, it's a great title and it brings you right in. Tell us what a Nocebo is and how it relates to the film. So a nocebo is the opposite of a placebo. It's like mm. its evil twin where negative thoughts or the perception of a negative outcome will result in a negative outcome. So in the terms of this film, it's, um, there's, it features shamanism. Mm. So shamans would typically use what would be considered, you know, in, in a kind of consumerist capitalist modern culture as placebos. Um, but they can work, they can help people feel better and then their body can, you know, go to work and make them heal in some cases. Mm. Um, and a SIBO is a little bit like a curse where if you expect something bad to happen and somebody uh, says that it will happen, you can then make yourself sick. So there's kind of examples of that all around the world, with, um, which actually started our kind of journey on this film into um there's the Hmong refugee case um after the Vietnam War those Hmong refugees were sent to the US and about 50 I think um young males died because they were visited by this pressing spirit that was pressing down on their chest and in their own culture they'd go to a shaman 
who do a ritual and alleviate their symptoms and they'd feel fine. But because they were in America and they were atomized around the country, they couldn't visit a shaman and they, they believed they were going to die. And one by one, they started to die. Hmm. Um, that's uh, basically what a placebo is. Yeah. And so obviously without giving any spoilers, this this is very much part of, of what's going on in this film. But, it, you know, it's it's kind of a horror mystery as well. And as I say, we have Eva Green playing this middle class fashion designer. The movie's clearly saying some stuff about uh, the, the fashion industry and consumerism and how clothes might be designed and made. I'm assuming that's fair to say. Yes. <laughs> Tell us a little more. I, about yeah, without spoil, without, you know, giving too many spoilers. Because it is a hard movie to talk about without giving a lot away, I should say, which I think is a good thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a connection between, I suppose, the arrival of um, Christianity that turn, and then colonialism, which then links to the kind of eradication of shamanic practices and nature-based kind of belief systems, um, which then led on to this kind of capitalistic consumer culture that we now live in. So the film kind of uh, puts the two against each other, this sort of ancient um, shamanism with this very kind of contemporary consumer uh, ideology. Mm. Uh, they go head to head. Yeah, no, they do, and 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 they do so very well. Uh, you know, I mentioned a, a mysterious dog shows up. Uh, the dog is terrifying. What uh, was that CGI'd? Was that or was the dog real? Because it, it looked terrifying at times. Yeah, that's um, Eddie Drew's dog um, from Wicklow. Um, he's an okay. he's animal handler. He's our animal handler. But amazingly, he had this. Uh, he had this dog that work perfectly but we had to shave the dog the dog kind of is is mange ridden and has ticks all over its body and um you know at the beginning of the film i don't think this is too much of a spoiler shakes it, it, it the dog appears it looks like a street dog from asia it appears in a clothing store in the western world and uh, in front of ava green and shakes its body and ticks go flying all over and one of them bites the back of her neck and uh, which starts her decline um so yeah no the dog we actually had a suit made for the dog connor o'sullivan um uh, sfx a designer came over and we had to shave the dog in certain areas and then fit it with a suit that had kind of uh, horrible skin and infections and uh, tufts of fur and then find a dog double in the philippines uh, for the scenes that we shot there Wow, you see, people don't get what goes into a movie. I always say, you know, uh, th this type of stuff. You just see this dog and the level of detail. Uh, it's fascinating. Talk, talk to me a little bit about the cast. Obviously, Ava Green, we all know. Mark Strong, who plays her uh, pleasant at times, sometimes pissed off husband, uh, is very good. But the 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 Filipino, and I hope I'm pronouncing her, the Filipino actress, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, Tri Financier. Financier, is that how I say it? Financier. Yeah, she she's great. Uh, very intriguing. She is a big deal in, in another part of the world over over in the Philippines. Is that right? She's a singer as well. She's a singer and an actress. Yeah. So she's in um, she's been in a bunch of movies in the Philippines. So this is kind of a breakout role for her. And she's amazing in the film. She's a, she's a fantastic performer. And um, she's yeah. head to head with the with the rest of the cast. She's she's a brilliant performer. And and I really like what she does because 
it's hard to tell what our motivations are for a long time in the film. And, and again, not to give a spoiler, but, you know, if she's a good girl or a bad girl, you know, uh, she I thought she carried that brilliantly. So just to say that, tell me this, yeah. uh, you know, I keep asking about the metaphors in the movie, but Eva Green's character is struggling with this mystery illness that that people don't seem to understand. There's even you know, possibly an insinuation that it's in her head or, and there's this mysterious tick that comes from the dog, but is, is, you know, are you saying, making some allusion to, to COVID and long COVID or is that up for the audience to decide? No, no. I mean, we started developing this sort of before COVID um, yeah. it, as usual. I mean, like Vivarium, you know, uh, with these, couple trapped in a kind of housing estate and couldn't escape. <laughs> it ended up what? being very prescient with COVID. I'm going to interrupt you and I was going to tell people the last time we spoke was right after COVID hit and you made this great movie called Vivarium with, with Jesse Eisenberg about a couple trapped, as you say, in a house and it became this movie partially about lockdown and you, you had no idea lockdown was even coming. So just so Maybe listeners are aware that you can you can tell the future clearly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that there is an element of that. It's sort of... Uh, it's it's not explicit as to whether it's a psychosomatic illness yeah. or it's something akin to chronic Lyme disease that mm. is um, an ailment that can't really be diagnosed accurately. Mm. Uh, so there's a little bit of that, but there's also, you know, is it a repressed kind of guilt? Is it something that's causing, uh, you know, some something internal, psychological that's causing the illness? Yeah. Yeah, no, and it, it's really it's really well told uh, how the illness plays out. Uh, I mentioned uh, Vivarium there. I, I remember talking to you for that, and it's two years ago now. It seems like a, a lifetime ago. The film was was very well received, and rightly so. But at the same time, I you must have had the blues a small bit about it being released when cinemas were were closing and opening. And I, I mean, have you have you parked the 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 maybe the disappointment or was it okay because everyone was doing video on demand and it was, it was put there soon after its release or how are you feeling about that two years on? <laughs> um, I'm over it. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it had a great festival run. We were lucky really. Cause like there were other films that, um, you know, there were films that got closed down because of COVID. Mm, there were yeah. films that, um, were only just finished and then they never got to kind of, they had an online premiere, you know, so yeah. we had, you know, we had a lot of um, screenings around the world with, you know, audience Q&As and all of that. So it was great, really. And then um, yeah, it was a bummer, obviously, the um, like two days before it was supposed to come out to cinemas, um, they all started closing down. So that was painful at the time. But then at the same time, it found this life online of really found yeah. an audience because, because of COVID. Everyone was staying at home and watching more movies that were streaming. And so, you know, uh, every cloud. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, so I'm not going to bring you back to those dark days. Let's move on. But, but, but what I, you know, find this, these two movies that they, they have something in common in that they're movies that have, you know, there's horror elements to them, but they're, they're psychological dramas as well. Uh, and they're very distinctive and they're clearly your movies. You can see your directorial hand in them. So I'm just wondering with that, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what, 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 what's next for you. I'm actually working on a, a film. We're kind of ready to uh, start putting it together in terms of casting and, and finance and everything uh, called Goliath, which is um, about 
sort of a dystopian near future movie about mm. um, creating monsters in order to start wars and steal natural resources. So it's more of a fable um, and quite an unusual kind of setting with a, an island with a giant living on it and uh, surrounded by water. It's like the island is in the middle of a lake and there's a town that breeds pigs and, and pork as their currency. So it'll yeah. be a strange, quite violent film. It's an anti-violent okay. movie, but it's a violent movie. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's that's what we're working on next. Sounds intriguing. And then just finally, I, I said to listeners that you were talking to me from Thailand. So you were out in the Philippines because part of, the, part of this movie takes place in the Philippines. You had a premiere there, is that right? Yes, yeah, so this was an Irish, the first Irish Filipino co-production. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a great adventure. Sort of started out as an idea and then ended up, we pitched it the film in China to meet our co-producers um, and they came on board and the, um, the screen development uh, Council of the Philippines came on board and uh, and Screen Ireland, but um, yes, we had our our Filipino premiere uh, last week, and then we had our Singaporean premiere a few days later. Um, and on my way back, I decided to stop in Thailand for a little break. Okay, well, <laughs> yes, well, well, you deserve that. You deserve that. So, listen, Nocebo is a, is a fine piece of work, and I I, I try not to give too many spoilers because it's one of those movies you should just go and see as opposed to possibly reading about it or anything like that because there were some very interesting surprises in it, and it has some good points to make about all sorts of things. But go and see it in the cinema on the 9th of December, where it belongs, and we worry about what platform it goes to after that. I was talking to its director, Lorcan Finnegan. Lorcan, thanks a million. Yeah, thanks very much. I, I had an encounter with a dog. A hideous thing. I don't know where it came from. There were ticks, clusters of them, hanging off the animal. I have nightmares about that dog. It bite you? No. A tick did. Then my problem started. You helped the tremors and memory but you have cures to the other problems. I can help you, but it's not forever. Yeah, I understand. And I would of course compensate you for this extra work. No, no, I don't want that. But it's only right. No, but I need you to help me. How? You trust me. And that was a clip of Nasebo, which is in cinemas next Friday, the 9th of December. And before that, you heard me talking to its director, Lorcan Finnegan. Up next, radio host Dave Moore on his favourite movie. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time News Talks TV and Movie Show. It's that stage of the week where we talk to someone well-known about their favourite movie. I didn't have to go too far for this week's guest. He's about two floors above me. He is one of the hosts of the very popular show, Dermot and Dave. It is Dave Moore. Dave, hello, sir. John, how are you? I'm very well. Now listen, we talked late summer, early autumn, and you told me what your favorite movie was. And so I want listeners to know this is not seasonal. This is this is yeah. your favorite movie most of the year round. Tell our listeners what it is and why. My favorite movie of all time, and I know this sounds hard to believe for some people, but it, it genuinely is Elf. Good Lord. Now, I realize this is quite topical now because we're in Elf season and yes. everyone else will think that. However, as you said, 
Elf is a movie I watch in July. Elf is a movie <laughs> I watch in March. And my family have been kind of dragged along this journey with me and Elf. And in fairness, some of them have kind of gone, yeah, okay. And the others are like, oh, dad, really? Not this. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's June 17th. It's a perfect time to watch Elf. <laughs> Tell me this. Just, I think most people have seen it know, but just remind people briefly what it's about. Okay, so Buddy the Elf is uh, not an elf. In fact, he is a human. He snuck into Santa's sack back in an orphanage, didn't know who his dad was, uh, and only realized he was an elf when another elf kind of, he overheard them talking and he, his whole world came apart. So he wanted to go and find his real dad. So he took a, a big long walk from the North Pole to New York and then went to find his own dad, who it turns out was on the naughty list. Yes. Um, and uh, then, I mean, look, it, but Elf to me, look, it, it's it's a soul-searching movie for the, the main character. That's kind of what the, the journey he's on. In there, there's a romance with a, a girl called Jovi for Buddy, who's never been through romance before because he was an elf and he was interested in making toys and then his dad Walter played by James Caan is he's kind of he's the perfect foil for Buddy's you know unfettered goodness Mm. Uh, Walter is uh, an embittered you know children's book publisher but he's not exactly uh, interested in the children or the story he just (laughs) wants the profits Uh, and he's the cynic I suppose uh, in all of us watching the movie, Walter kind of embodies him. And then, yeah, look, the rest of the cast is just brilliant. And I just think it's it's a movie that, yes, it has a Christmas backdrop. And obviously it has Buddy the Elf. And it has uh, an Arctic Puffin and a Snowman and Santa Claus and a Factory of Elves and all those things. But to me, it is it is just an amazing story uh of this this lost soul trying to find where he belongs and along there then you have everything else that goes along with that christmas feels laughs everything else that i love about movies as well and i i I don't know why this one speaks to me more than other christmas movies i love home alone or yeah uh, any of the other ones that are brilliant i don't know this one just really when it came out first which by the way was nearly 20 years ago that's another thing i'll say about this movie it is timeless like Mm. there there aren't kind of there aren't very many cultural references in it, uh, you know, that would date it to 2003 or, or will date it in 20 years time or in 30 years time. You know, yes, there's no smartphones and that kind of stuff. But I mean, that doesn't really make much difference. There's TVs and TV cameras and mm. who knows where they'll be in 20 or 30 years. But, you know, but it is it's one of those movies that doesn't kind of fall victim to the fact that like Home Alone, for example, the type of movie that would be solved because now we have mobile phones and therefore you couldn't yeah. make a Home Alone movie now. You know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, but I think it's, I just love everything about it. Um, yeah. It it goes deep with you. It's funny. There are certain movies that are almost inexplicably deep with us. You know, they're, for some reason, they, they take a, a hold on us. And every week on this slot, what always ends up happening is people give an explanation for why something is their favorite movie. But ultimately, it's above reason in a way you know what i mean yeah. when you really love a movie it just goes deep and maybe maybe people like me shouldn't be hammering for the reason why you know <laughs> well no i suppose like it's it's that it's that phrase that is utterly useless in most situations but does actually apply here which is it is what it is and that just means <laughs> that like it genuinely is my favorite movie i i can't i i love other movies i love high cinema i love lowbrow cinema i'll watch you know everything that there is and, and have an opinion on it and some stuff that just escapes me and some stuff mm-hmm. I really like but ultimately if if you ask me to take a movie with me you know and that I could only watch one thing over and over again it would be Elf wow okay and tell me this I think you 
like me, have interviewed Will Ferrell. Have you? Mm, I have a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. Did you Did you ask him about Elf, or was it inappropriate because he was plugging something else? Yeah, it was a little bit awkward. He was plugging uh, Daddy's Home and Daddy's Home oh, yeah. Two. Uh, but I did ask him about it, and he told an, an amazing story where the president Barack Obama called him up and asked him would he come to uh, a party at the White House? And he was honored and whatever. And just as the phone was being hung up, uh, Barack Obama said, and could you bring the costume? And Will Ferrell said, what costume? He's like, Elf. Can you come as Elf? And he's like, I don't have the Elf costume. It's like <laughs> it was made for the movie and some guy has it now. <laughs> so literally everybody just thinks that he is going to turn up and be Elf. And the poor fella has played so many characters, but that is the one that even the president wanted him to come as. Yeah. Wow. That's a good story. Dave, you should be on the radio with stories what? like that. <laughs> Tell me this, you just briefly mentioned the children. Uh, uh, are they fans, did you say? Yeah, yeah, they are. They all love Elf now, as I said. Okay. And they're maybe not fans like I am. No, uh, few people are. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But no, they are. They they do. They they don't. And that's right. That's another thing I should say about Elf. Elf is equally good if you sit down and watch it or if you throw it on in the background and just kind of go about your business because I think because of the one-liners that are in there I mean mm -hmm. anyone who's listening who knows the movie like I do they'll know you sit on a throne of lies Santa I know him I love you I love you I love you you cotton-headed ninny muggins you're an angry <laughs> like, there's so, you'll just kind of be going about your daily business with the movie on the background and you'll hear one of these lines and like I even have a sweatshirt I think you caught me in the sweatshirt the other day because it is approaching that time and it says but if you have what's your favorite color which to me is the best way to answer the phone ever anytime you know what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, and that is true, listeners. I walked up the stairs to talk to him about doing Elf, and he was wearing an Elf T-shirt. That's no word of a lie. Maybe Barack Obama should have asked him to come. But anyway, uh, do you know? By the way, currently as we speak, it's being shown in ten cinemas in Dublin alone. You so see, there you go. There you go. You That's know? like that just shows the enduring power of it. And can I give you my favorite piece of Elf trivia? Of course you can. Okay, like I have so many, but there's one in particular. There's an amazing scene where Buddy downs an entire, I think it's a two liter bottle of Coke, right? Mm -hmm. And then he does the world's longest burp. I think that's ever been on movie, right? And again, if you're if you're if you're throwing your eyes to heaven already about Elf, now you're going, really, Dave, a burp joke. But he does this big burp joke, and then he turns like it's so amazing loud, and he turns to his now like stepbrother, and he says, he just again, which I every time I burp in front of my kids, I say that I just say, did you hear that? <laughs> As if you couldn't. But anyway, he didn't make the burp noise. The burp noise was made by somebody called Maurice Lamarche. Now, Ooh. you're a man of culture. Do you know who Maurice LaMarche is? Oh, I don't think I do. Not many people do. But you know something that he says. Everybody knows this. In fact, people have this on T-shirts. It's some people's favorite quote. Maurice LaMarche says, the same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try oh. to take over the world. Uh -huh. uh, he was also Calculon in Futurama, which is another one of my favorite TV shows. And about a thousand other voices. But he is, he is the brain in Pinky and the Brain. But he provided the enormous inhuman burp for elf wow okay listen we better move on you're out movie buffing me here you know this is <laughs> this isn't working that is a wonderful choice and i am a big fan of that film as well and in a way what you just said there brings us to the podcast that you're currently <laughs> presenting with neil delamere why would you tell me that and i'm going to compliment you something about it but i'm okay. going to re really quickly on a caveat just say the reason why i want to compliment you on it is the phrase and i've said this on the show the phrase i hate more when i bump into certain people and they say I'm going to start a podcast. And I think, don't. 
because no, I'm serious because there are great podcasts out there, but I genuinely think there are too many of them because so many of them just aren't taught through enough and mm. don't make sense why you would listen to them over and above the other ones. The great ones are great and the good ones are good, but the bad ones are a waste of time. So <laughs> what I like about this is you had a clearly distinct idea and it's unique. So just tell people what goes on in Why Would You Tell Me That? Okay, so Neil is the only man I've met in my life, not just my broadcasting career, but my life, who appreciates a fact and a weird story as much as I do. Like, <laughs> I have a co-host on radio called Dermot Whelan, Dermot and Dave, that's our show, and I present facts to him in the face of his disdain for them. But <laughs> yes. Neil is the opposite. Neil is the man who takes my fact, appreciates it, and then goes, well, did you know, and gives me another fact. So we wanted to work together on something. This came up as an idea of doing a podcast. We had no idea what the podcast podcast would be i said well it won't be another interview podcast let's yes do something else uh, and then we came up with this idea of well we both love these kind of wild stories and crazy facts so why don't we do a podcast like that and so that was the idea was we'd both just bring each other facts but then it it kind of went through a process of development and i came up with this idea at one point which was hang on what if i don't know what mm -hmm. you're bring, what fact you're bringing in an episode, and in the subsequent episode, you don't know what I'm bringing, and then that I don't know why that just intrigued us so much, but it and and genuinely we don't tell each other. Like it's not like oh sure a radio trick you don't tell each other, but really the guy's done four hours of research for the thing. No, the idea is to to have the opposite person being, I guess, the voice of the audience who may know of or around the story, but maybe don't know the nuanced details, but the other person is researched and has sourced the expert. So basically, it's wild stories that you don't know, or you probably don't know, but you really should. Like, for example, the volcano that gave us Frankenstein. Yes, it was a volcano's fault that we got Frankenstein. We have the story of the Maswau tribe, who are a female-led tribe in China, uh, and it's matrilineal. So all of the surnames and uh, inheritance and everything goes through the, the female side. And guess what? It turns out everyone's healthier and happier when the women are in charge. Who knew, John? Wow. Um, mm. But it's all these kinds of things. It, and yeah. it can be anything. Like, I literally, we talk about the guy who saved Nike. We yeah. talk about the movie that changed Netflix's fortunes. We talk about all manner of things. It's not just, you know, anthropology or science or history. It's, it's anything. And just as mm. long as we can find an amazing story and get the right expert. I mean, uh, in one of the episodes we had recently, uh, we talked about the effects of selective cattle breeding on Argentinian football. Wow. <laughs> so there's literally no end to the types of things we'll talk about. And uh, I'm not sure when this podcast is going out, but uh, either, either in the future, as in next week, or <laughs> it'll already have happened, as in last week, Susie Dent from Countdown is oh, going yes. to come on and talk to us at length about the origins of some of our favorite words and phrases. And she is someone we've wanted to get on the podcast since even before we hit the first publish button, we wanted yeah. Susie Dent. So we managed to get her. So I'm really excited about that. Great. And just for people who are keen to hear this on all the usual platform players, you can find it. And it's weekly. Yep. It's every Wednesday and it's called Why Would You Tell Me That? And it's available as they always say, John everywhere you get your podcasts. Yes, indeed they do. Indeed they do. I've even been known to say it myself a few times. <laughs> and future podcast, you know, makers, 
please pay close attention. He said when we were in the development process. So just, just remember that that's an important part of it. Okay. So that is why would you tell me that? Finally, you mentioned your co-host, uh, Dermot Whelan. Let me ask you this about that a highly successful and popular show. And you're, you've been together 20 years plus at this stage. I was, or I heard Mario and Ian, colleagues of yours from Two Floors Above as well. Uh, and they were on Lucy Kennedy and they were talking about, you know, they love each other, they're friends, but you know, they don't, they don't hang out on the weekends because, you know, <laughs> you've spent all week together and I've had a few and still do close relationships with, you know, radio hosts and, you know, you need your downtime because you spend your week plotting mm. the shows together and all. But what I find intriguing about you guys, but correct me if I'm wrong, is, but I get the sense you socialize together from time to time as well. We absolutely, from time to time we do. I think, you know, as a rule, we have our own, I suppose, close friends and uh, and separate kind of social lives that way. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, we absolutely hang out and we go to gigs together and there are certain things that we we kind of go, well, you know, it's Dermot I'm going to go to that thing yes. with or it's, you know, my friend Ross I'm going to go to this thing with or it's my friend John I'm going to do it, whatever it is. But, but we do definitely spend uh, a lot of time together outside of the radio show, but not so much that, as you said, that we don't have that time to decompress and kind of separate yeah. each other. And the thing I suppose as well about our show and the kind of personality of our radio show is it is really fun. So it's not, we do cover, we do cover everything and we cover very serious things. We cover very light things or whatever. Like it's, it's one of those kind of, you know, runs the gamut radio shows, but at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, we do have a lot of fun together. I do get to work with my best mate basically every yeah. day. So from that point of view, it, it, it allows us that kind of sense of work, but also that sense of fun. So then adding the kind of, oh, we've we've done a really hard-hitting current affairs radio show together. We should now go <laughs> for a pint. It's like, well, we've yeah. already had the crack today. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, so yeah. see you tomorrow kind of thing. So yeah, so look, but, but we've gone on tour together. We've done comedy shows all around the country and been on that tour like Mario and Ian would have been. Uh, yeah. and, and it is, it's, it's, it's a testament to our relationship uh, and to any relationship of a duo that can last that long that you do, you simply... You go out and and if you can live together in each other's pockets mm-hmm. for more than twenty years now, as you said at this stage, yeah. uh, you know it's testament to the fact that you are literally best mates. That's the joy. Yeah. Of it. It sounds good to me. And I'm delighted to hear you have a friend called John because everyone needs one. <laughs> his favorite movie is Elf. You can hear him, obviously, every weekday with his cohort, Dermot Whelan, on the Dermot and Dave show from 9 to 12 on Today FM. And his podcast with Neil Delamere, why would you tell me that you can tune into every Wednesday? Well, anytime you want because it's on all good uh, podcast platforms. <laughs> and just I nearly got it well, wrong there. Yeah, yeah, I know. But everyone has their own spin on John. But there's the other thing to say about the podcast, sorry, just because Neil always gives everything for not saying this it is not topical so in yeah. other words you can jump in at any point and yes. just listen to any episode in any order and you can listen mm-hmm. to it you know now and listen to it in five years and it won't make any difference the stories we do are are, are purposely chosen to not be topical uh, so go and have a listen and tell us what you think Absolutely. Well, after you listen to Screen Time, folks, you can by all means do that. Why would you tell me that? Dave Moore, thank you very much. A pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. Who the heck are you? What are you talking about? I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. Uh, Why, of course I am. (laughs) You're Santa. What song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? Uh, Happy birthday, of course. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, how old are you, son? Oh. You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I Paul, get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. 
Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? One of the many quotable scenes from Elf there. And that was the favourite movie choice of Dave Moore. And my sincere thanks to him. That's it for this week. Thanks to Anne-Marie Kane who helped out on the show this week, as she does every week. I remind you, this show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on Newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on Newstalk. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe week ahead and I'll talk to you all next week.